welcome to another episode of Nerd Amalgamated. I am the DJ, and with me today, I have the Professor. Hello, DJ. How's it going? Decently well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. enjoying the uh, second Pfizer today. (laughs) I am not liking the warm weather. Can we just (laughs) pretend it's winter again? Please let it be winter again. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. You have to wait for another six more months for that to happen. Yep. Uh, so my neighbors have decided to move right now. That's nice. <laughs> hey, look on the bright side. At least it, it uh, will, will be, it'll be less some dramas than what's happening with the uh, Epic Epic Store uh, Apple lawsuit. To be fair, Epic did move off the Apple Store. Well, they were evicted. But we do have a judgment in the uh, case of Apple vs. Epic. So, in short, Apple now has to allow developers to include alternative payment methods. It's sort of the first step to opening up the App Store. I think we're still a long way from actually getting there, but I think... uh, So now that we can have alternative payment methods... It's it's nice. It means you don't necessarily have to give your 30% cut to Apple. But the next thing I want to see is for the App Store, well, an alternative App Store to be available. A way to sideload apps without being a developer, without paying fees to Apple. I don't care if you have to go in and unlock a setting and settings to be able to do it. But I think that's the uh, an important part of actually opening up the Apple platform. So who does this... So- who does this affect more, Apple or Epic in this in the long run? Probably Apple. So we're getting to the point now that Apple has had a monopoly on this on the App Store for when did they bring it in? Uh, Two thousand and eight, I think. I think so. Yeah. So they've had a monopoly for over a decade. And now that we've got a judgment, we don't know the full details or how it's going to be work, and there's still room for appeals and so on. But now you can finally pay for a subscription or an app without paying Apple. Apple isn't going to be happy with that. Sorry, actually, the... uh, No, even if you use an external payment processor, it looks like you might still have to pay the 30% cut, so... Apple will be less unhappy with that. They're still going to be unhappy because Apple wants total control over the iPhone. Yeah. I mean, it it does. uh, So this makes Apple. So this makes Apple uh, a whole lot salty. A whole lot saltier. Yeah, they're not pleased so far. Yeah. What's going to happen? But then it's also going to happen to a. affect other countries that rely on Apple, doesn't it? Like, uh, for example, Japan and South Korea? Well, it's going to be likely to be a worldwide change. Hmm. But Apple has actually been, just recently, probably as a result of this lawsuit, Korea has uh, made the decision themselves uh, a few months ago to require Apple to open up the App Store payment system. So I'm hoping this is the, you know, the hole in the dike. It's going to, 
That's the wrong metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) The foot in the door. (laughs) I was thinking, you know, the the boy had to keep his finger in the dike to stop the hole uh, getting wider. Yep, yep. But no, I'm thinking foot in the door. (laughs) I'm hoping this is the foot in the door to make everything... Uh, everything better. What's going to be also interesting is how uh, if other games companies are going to uh, pursue this n- lawsuit as well now, or well, similar type of lawsuit. Yeah, I think it's likely that other um, other companies are going to bring up similar lawsuits to Apple. Now, this isn't a problem for Google because Google never actually stopped people from using their own payment processes. See, we found out a whole lot during this lawsuit, though. I wouldn't, like, you know, wouldn't complain too much about the uh, the juicy details coming out from this lawsuit if we could get people to sue Apple and Microsoft so we can find out more juicy details. It'll be a while, though, to get more details out of it. Yeah, well, this case has been going on for, what, over a year now. Uh, let's see. It's been. It was argued in May the th- uh, May the third to twenty fourth, and it was decided on September 10, twenty twenty one. So it was like a few yes. Months. But when did Epic um, withdraw from the App Store or get kicked off? Uh, twenty fifth. Is it twenty fifteen? A second. Uh, I think it was mid two thousands, if I recall. Oh, I don't I had- know where you're getting these numbers from. Yeah, hang on a second. Uh, I'm seeing I'm, I'm seeing the update of the I'm seeing the page here, and they're saying it's uh 2018 they got kicked out, but it must be way more way more recent than that. Yeah, that was only late 2020 that they actually got officially removed from the App Store. Yeah. Um, when did that 1984 parody ad come out? Uh, the Fortnite parody. Oh, that was... Um, that one was... Yeah, that was August 2022. Okay, this feels like it's been going on a lot longer than it has. It's only been going on about a year then. Yeah. But you gotta admire Epic for taking the piss out of Apple and finally winning winning against them. Yes. Finally, someone has beaten Apple on their own ground. (laughs) So... And right to repairs coming to be a thing. Oh, yeah. So, curiously, from... Okay... From a game developer's perspective, how would you? Uh, what do you think of this ruling? I think it's the beginning. I don't think it'll make a big difference for most game developers. I think it's mostly going to be people like Epic who already already have issues with it. Mm. Okay, and then from a consumer standpoint, how do you? What do you think of this case from a consumer standpoint? You reckon this a it's a better as a it's better for the, as a consumer or it's worse as a consumer? It's better because now we have there's a small risk that there will be unscrupulous individuals who run dodgy payment stores, but having the option there to purchase apps that Apple doesn't necessarily approve of is big. Okay. So now that the now that we've seen the end of Epic versus Apple, you reckon we might see the same result happening with Epic versus Google? No, I don't think this will happen with Epic and Google because you can already sideload apps on Google. There's a lot of things you can do on Google that 
you can't do with um, with Apple. And that's a big, big part of why people are so upset with Apple. Yeah, I'm seeing an interesting uh, uh, paragraph in the article saying here, judgment in the Apple versus uh, Epic versus Apple trial isn't the end of the story. It's most it's at most a key paragraph in the prologue to a complex, evolving situation that will shape parts of the industry for years, if not decades, to come. Hey, is that what I just said about this being the foot in the door? <laughs> yes, yes, it Thanks, is. Thanks, DJ. <laughs> Well, our second part of the gaming topic tonight. Yep. Or today, because we're recording during the day. We don't do that often. Uh-huh. Cloud Imperium, better known as the developers of Star Citizen. Better known as the people who took all your money to make Star Citizen and then just kind of didn't. And it's st- and is it out? Is Star Citizen out yet? No. <laughs> I mean, there's a playable alpha but oh, it's alpha, still a long seriously? way it's a long way from being what they promised all those years ago a long way how long was this like this came out when again uh the i believe the kickstarter was in 2013 oh my god it's a massive example of feature creep <laughs> Duke Nukem, the new Duke Nukem game came out like how many years in development hell? Ten or something. Oh god, this this it's gonna it's gonna someday rival that at some point. It will, because the money just keeps rolling in. <laughs> twenty twenty was uh, one of their best years. They keep having great years for having money coming in. <laughs> Yeah, on the fo- on the promise that the game will come out. That's the thing; it's a promise. They haven't broken that promise yet, technically. <laughs> technically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right, sure. <laughs> so, okay, so what's with the new? Uh, so, what's new with Star Grift? I mean, Star Citizen. <laughs> uh, I'd call it. Uh, we need a, a term like you know how they like to put gate at the end of scandals. I think yeah. we should call it Stargate. <laughs> yeah, but it would be t- but it'd be a licensing. It would be kind of a copyright issue. So, I, I, yeah. I we should just call it a Star Grift. A Star Grift. That's it. Well, our friend Buck used to call it uh, when Star Citizen Con happened. Would call it uh, Star Con. Yeah. <laughs> so Star-Con. anyway, Cloud Imperium has gotten a warning from the Advertising Standards Authority in the UK for selling spaceships on the store that don't even exist in the game. <laughs> How so, the hell did they manage to do that? Concepts. Like, that's something that I think was okay back in the... Um, back in the Kickstarter days. But they've had seven years to develop something some of the ships that they've made are actually playable in game but now they're selling a ship that doesn't even exist <laughs> it, it, there's a word for that what was it called again oh yeah it's called fraud <laughs> or nfts <laughs> so like there's a bit of a meme that you're just buying jpegs of a ship but 
not entirely true because the the game actually also had um also has a hangar like one of the early features was a, was a hangar you could walk around you could hop into your ship and walk through your ship oh uh, you know what it feels like it feels like um the games company just giving out the giving to the consumers of these concept ships and go okay you assemble it for me and uh we'll gra- we'll grab it for you when you when you're done the assembly Hmm, well, um, I've pulled up the price of the ship. Uh, currently, to buy the ship, massive quotes there, <laughs> uh, over 200 US dollars. No. Okay, so 200. How much would that be when you, if when you convert it to Australian? So that would be, okay. You mean as of now or the price? Uh, three months ago, I found a screenshot on Reddit. Okay. So as so, of if you were to sell this ship, if you were to sell this ship now in two hundred US dollars in Australian, that would be two hundred and seventy six dollars and fifty one cents. I've also found someone on Reddit from a few months back who is trying to uh, they're reselling the ship for Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, so no. if you want to buy your ship with Bitcoin, they will buy the ship for you with bit with real world money and sell it to you for Bitcoin. So it is true. So it's it is like saying, okay, we'll we'll give you the we'll give you the stuff. You just assemble it for That's us. That's just an NFT with extra extra steps. Gee, <laughs> are they that lazy though? Like, like this feels like you're outsourcing all your all the stuff. I, no, they're not outsourcing anything. They're still developing it, but. It's sort of like investing in a company and pre or pre no, it's more like pre ordering. At least with an investment, you usually got some guarantee about the money you'll get back. But this is pre ordering. Basically, if Star Imperium decided to shut down tomorrow, they could. So there have been other ships that cost more. I just think it's ridiculous that this ship isn't even available yet. <laughs> Oh, that's that's really weird. Like, okay, so what's what, what's the British uh, British advertising standards agency saying about this? So, the a, a fan of Star Citizen or an unfan now <laughs> submitted a complaint because they're fed up of CIG uh, Cloud Imperium games. Have I been saying Star Imperium? No. Uh, Oh, yeah. I might have said that once. I mean Cloud Imperium. Um, so Cloud Imperium and the constant lies. They submitted the complaint because they got an email in July, a marketing email, encouraging him to buy a ship before it left the store. The email does not say that the ship doesn't exist. The ASA said that the wording could be clearer. Or, 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 if I was the ASA, I would have gone, read the fine print. Well, there doesn't seem to have been any fine print. And they've also issued an advice notice. So basically, uh, you've been a very naughty boy. Don't do that again. <laughs> oh, but that's like a slap on the wrist, man. That's like saying, oh, you committed a very naughty, naughty, naughty uh, slap on the wrist. Yeah. Just. At least now, uh, their more recent emails do have disclaimers in them. The disclaimer says that the vehicle is a limited concept pledge 
and is in development but not ready to display in your hangar <laughs> or fly in Star Citizen. <laughs> that feels like a that feels like a band aid a band aid solution <laughs> to like a big problem. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the longer this goes on, you know, I used to believe that they weren't completely dodgy, but the longer this goes on, the harder it is. <laughs> What what really scares me is can you imagine the unscrupulous amounts of people saying like oh hi I'm a, I'm also a developer from Cloud Imperium we have this vehicle from a very from a Star Citizen that's very very exclusive and okay that would be ha- even more illegal yeah I like, know what but Star can Citizen you ma- isn't is doing isn't actually technically illegal it, it's technically uh, not yeah but it's can not you illegal. Ma- they can do it because it's not illegal and they're not going to go to jail for it. You can argue whether they should, but as it stands, it's not illegal. Yep. But can, but, so yeah, if but, you went around and said, I'm with Cloud Imperium, give me money, that would be illegal because yeah, you're true. not with Cloud Imperium. Uh, I understand that, Professor, but here's the problem. Like, Can you imagine how many people will fall for it, though? They're like, ah, I'm from Cloud I, Imperium. Don't know. I mean, I'm hoping the um, that person I saw on Reddit with the reselling ships for Bitcoin wasn't a con man, but I'm not. You know, <laughs> it's try- when you're buying stuff for Bitcoin, it's always a little bit iffy because there's a lot harder to get your money back if the person's dodgy. Uh, I see. Actually, uh, no, they are. They've been a redditor for a while. They and this is a trading subreddit where they actually register people as registered traders. I mean, can you ma- can you imagine if, uh, let's say, Silk Road was still around? Imagine selling Star Citizen and stuff over there. <laughs> I'm imagining that- something a bit like, um, I think it's the music video for White and Nerdy, when Weird <laughs> Al buys a copy of Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> it's like this shady drug dealer type guy. But well, that's a scary thing, though. So the scary thing is, this this might set a very dangerous precedent, wouldn't you agree, though? I think it's been set. We already know this is a thing they're doing. Like, it was literally a thing they did in the original Kickstarter. I think they're just getting away with it for now, and I'm hoping that eventually, you know, someone holds them to actually releasing, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, especially when when Starcon is still on Alpha. <laughs> I mean, okay, from from a game developer's perspective... When you yeah, see so news- here we go, the Kickstarter, yeah. actually, for uh, $40 or more, $37 US or more, you got a spaceship, depending on your pledge, different types of spaceships. Okay. And uh, what are the other, what, uh, did they include uh, any add-ons? Um, the highest pledge is $10,000, oh. which they sold one time, Uh so for that pledge, you get a copy of the game with the RSI Constellation spaceship, 20,000 galactic credits, a skin for the spaceship, a name for the spaceship, access to the Alpha and Beta, the 1 million mile high club ownership, which is a private club in the game, a spaceship shaped USB stick of the game and all digital elements, plus CD of game soundtrack, plus fold up map, 
uh, blueprints plus model of the ship plus copy of the making of a star citizen, which I (laughs) doubt any has shipped at all, and hang out for a day with Chris Roberts and the dev team. I wonder if they've actually... Oh, if you only spend 5,000 bucks, then you only get half a day with Chris Roberts. Oh, half a day. <laughs> it's like, can you imagine, just like, okay, you're going to hang out with five grand, you only hang out with him on breakfast and lunch. And then For two and a half grand- thousand, you get a 60-minute video call. <laughs> I'm not convinced this is ever coming out. Nope. <laughs> it's... It's a con. It's a con, man. Like, and people are absolutely buying it. Yeah, with uh, three hundred million bucks currently. <laughs> uh, you would think with this amount of money, like even like Blizzard and Blizzard and EA would make a competent game at least a competent game. But well, this... that would be true because it's hard to quantify the number. But um, Halo, G- not Halo, uh, GTA Five cost somewhere in the around two hundred and seventy-five million. Yeah, I heard about that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go. Wikipedia's got a list. Uh, oh, a list up by twenty twenty inflation. That looks fun. Funnily enough, Half Life Two is the cheapest game on the list. Really? Yeah, at only fifty-five million dollars. See, and that even that that was really popular too. Yeah, uh, so we know that Cyberpunk cost three hundred and sixteen million USD with inflation. That was an average game at best, if I recall. Yeah, GTA Five two hundred and ninety four with inflation, and it's still going. <laughs> still going. It'll never end. <laughs> I wonder how it compares to Elite Dangerous. Or EVE Online. Yeah, I think it would be a lot harder to analyse those, though. Because the Elite Dangerous was... uh, It's actually released, and they keep doing expansion packs. But on Kickstarter, it only got less than half the money that the... uh, Star Citizen Kickstarter got. Not to mention in uh, I'm seeing one of the articles here in 2017. Oh no, sorry. Fr- During oh. the actual Kickstarter itself, Star Citizen only earned 2.1 million. Yeah. Um, Elite Dangerous got 2.6 million, but has actually released. <laughs> Eve Online uh- would be even harder because Eve Online has been around for like 20 years now. Wait, did you say what? Two point six million? But yeah. it was in pa- pounds or U.S. dollars, by the way. U.S. dollars. Okay, I've got here. It says here that uh, at the end, following the end of Kickstarter, further public sp- uh, funding sought through the uh, UK's website via PayPal. By twenty fourteen, one point seven million pounds was raised. Yeah, I'm getting this source from a PC Gamer article that says that it earned one point six million pounds. Okay. Yeah. Here it's uh, 1.25. Um, here we go. Yeah. So, in 2014, they interviewed the founder of Frontier, who said that the original budget was $8 million, but the um, it compared to Star Citizen, which at the time had raised $53 million. Okay, so 
with all this, with, with all that said, with, with all that we discussed in in this with this topic, though, can you see Star Citizen having a future in the long run with all this drama and all the all the jokes aside? Yes. If No Man's Sky could do it, Star Citizen could do it. But I'm not sure Star Citizen has the um, the business sense to do it. So Star Citizen has taken this $300 million and, you know, gotten... I can't say they've gotten nowhere because they have got a an alpha out. It's not close to what they said they do, but... You know, development does take time, but their roadmap just keeps slipping and stretching, and <laughs> and I, I'm wondering if at this point, if they don't have someone there who can tell them sit down and finish it, if they keep just stretching it, because like with Duke Nukem Forever, they kept stretching and stretching because they wanted to keep making it and making it look better or making it more features or whatever. And and the sad part's going to be the consumer and how how they even though the game is still in alpha, consumers still fall for it. And all because of yeah. a promise. <laughs> Lots of people were still buying it. Mhm. I'm not sure when it'll stop some point they're going to lose all their goodwill and it'll end people have been calling that for basically since the kickstarter but who knows when that's going to actually be nah. it, it, it will be a while a long long while uh, anyways in the interest of time we should uh, move on to our next topic uh, so from the makers of Swilling Green comes Blood Crete Blood, Blood for Crete? the Concrete Gods <laughs> that's a very this was your t- this was an interesting article hey professor yeah do you like concrete dj <laughs> what uh, if we made the concrete out of your blood <laughs> oh no i can imagine like someone making a movie saying like blood concrete it's made for people <laughs> the people need so- to know <laughs> The University of Manchester was trying to work out what they could use to build concrete in space because shipping stuff from Earth is really bloody expensive. So they figured out that there's a protein that humans make that can be mixed with moon dust and turned into concrete. (laughs) The good news is it doesn't have to... No, sorry, it does have to be blood. I thought it was either or, but no, it's blood mixed with pee, sweat, or tears. <laughs> oh, so it's stronger than ordinary concrete. Huh. The problem is, uh, I was doing some more reading about this, and humans only produce a couple of dozen grams of this stuff a week. So you're going to have to spread the concrete really thinly. <laughs> they reckon that you could produce 500 kilograms of, they're calling it Astrocrete, over a two-year mission with six astronauts. So I wonder if maybe instead they could ship cattle to Mars, uh, space buffalo like Futurama, 
<laughs> I know where this is going. I don't know where this is going, but this is going to be funny as hell. And then use the the blood from the space buffalo to make the concrete, because apparently it's a traditional method to use animal blood to make cement. Or can you imagine uh, do it? Or imagine using the uh, closest uh, relative to man, the monkey. There are better things to use with mon- to do with monkeys. Although, imagine if uh, if we used ast- um, human blood and uh, bl- blood on the concrete. Can you imagine uh, making the conspiracy buffs go crazy, going like, you know, they used all, all the all the blood that was used in this were from the dead astronauts. Oh, please no. <laughs> Uh, this will drive the conspiracy buffs wild, <laughs> I'll give you that. Yeah. What's interesting is that blood can be used for a lot of things back on Earth as well. You can use blood as a substitute for egg in baking. Oh! <laughs> yes. I, I, could, I could already see all those cooking shows with uh, baking stuff going, No! All the uh, what's what's that one British Britain's uh great Britain's Bake Off? Imagine <laughs> the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> now featuring human blood. <laughs> oh, what you were making, Dennis? I'm making some blood cake with your oh. blood. <laughs> Can you imagine being the judge and seeing someone bleeding out while cooking the cake? And be like, oh god, no! <laughs> Apparently, my fiance is listening to us through the walls and has just mentioned blood pudding to me. Oh no! <laughs> and you go. Apparently, uh, blood has less calories than egg. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I'm going to put an article in the show notes to a um, a Vice article about a guy making blood meringue <laughs> out of his own blood. Oh no! Auto cannibalism, fun. <laughs> I mean, uh, apart from this being utterly dark and horrifying, it's also pretty cool. <laughs> okay, so okay, jokes aside, though, with the blood crete, um, with the blood crete, does it have a does it have a a half life and whatnot? Because concrete and stuff, while yes, they they do stay. They do survive for a long, long time. The problem would be that at some point they break down and they crumble and stuff. Because human blood and stuff, we like it breaks down very easily after a certain, like after well, how many minutes and stuff. I think by the time it's processed into concrete, it'll last a lot longer than just leaving your blood out. I think once it's concrete, it's going to be fairly inert, fairly stable. If it acts anything like modern concrete, I don't know if it would, then it will literally become stronger the longer you leave it. You know, it'd be pretty funny though. Can you imagine um, late night and you're in um, and you say, "Okay, I'm gonna rob the store, but there's not much weapons," and you find like a concrete stuff and put and spray your blood on it. You're like, "I made a cinder block with my blood and concrete." <laughs> well, then you just made a cinder block, really, and put your blood on it. Yeah. But uh, it does get me oh. thinking. So, if you build a house out of bloodcrete, it's sort of like that meme about the gingerbread man in the gingerbread house. 
Is he made of house or is house made of him? Oh, no. <laughs> he screams for he does not know. <laughs> can you imagine just like, can, can you also imagine um, the, the whole term, I've made this house with my blood, sweat and tears is a literal thing. Yeah, that's where we're going here. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, like, y- using hu- literal human resources is a really good way to get things going in space, apparently. It's not, like... You know, the whole idea of human resources is a horror trope for a reason. But it's not the... Not the worst thing. I mean, if you ended up with people, like, people or animals would be pretty horrifying. Like, just strapped down, constantly draining blood from them. Like something in The Matrix. That's bad. To be fair, they seem like they had a decent life in the simulation. So, you know, but that's bad. But if you have scientists who have willingly giving blood to create concrete, that's fine. Can you imagine a uh, Soylent Green becoming a reality after this? Would you eat Soylent Green? <laughs> Would you no. live in a house made of blood? <laughs> oh, no. No. I... <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, there goes my last lingering thought of eating meat now. <laughs> Probably good for the environment. Although I like the title of the article. Affordable housing in outer space. <laughs> yeah. You're not just working yourself to death to afford a house on Earth. You're literally bleeding to make a house in space. <laughs> so, okay, here's a question. So let's say we uh, we finally made this a perfect product. How would you market it? I don't know. Because, damn, it would be very hard to market it saying, like, we have made this with the blood of your own people. <laughs> yeah. How would you market that? <laughs> uh, so, I wonder if we can do it on Earth. Like, is this a solution to the housing crisis? Do people just go and build houses out of their blood? <laughs> Does it work with Earth dirt or just space dirt? Yeah, I can see a, I can see the next episode, Grand Designs. The previous, on our episode, Grand Designs, we look at this house which uses space dirt and human blood as a way to solve the housing problem. <laughs> that sounds fun. Oh, can you imagine the conspiracy nuts going like, they used homeless people to make the concrete! <laughs> and you're like, um... <laughs> yeah. This is like a plot to any. This could is conveniently a plot to every murder mystery now. Yes, uh, cask of amontadu. What's the word? Cask of amontillado. That uh, Edgar Allan Poe story about the the murderer who locks the guy up in the wall. Ah, you. <laughs> yeah, it's an old thing. The term for it is immurement. Okay. A form of imprisonment in which a person, usually until death, is sealed within an enclosed space with no exits. Or in other words, walled to death. <laughs> yeah. 
Imagine being immured in your own blood creep. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, can you imagine just going, I cannot believe it, you killed me with my brain. <laughs> Although that will be one of the worst ways to go. Yeah, it would be a pretty horrible way to die. You'd just be trapped in the dark, starving to death. Although, although, mind you, if you if you can survive off by sucking off the blood of your concrete, you can't uh, survive by eating yourself. No, At most, eat. you're buying yourself a little bit of time. <laughs> it just reminded me of um, the Simpsons when uh, Artie is uh, in hiding, and he survived off by sucking sucking off the uh, water from the wood. Yeah. So can you imagine just like that? Can you imagine like that with the, the with the blood creek just like sucking off the con- sucking off the blood from the concrete? Like, mm, yes, sweet blood, sweet sweet blood. Yes, I do wonder if at any point we're going to start looking at more human resources than just the blood creek. I mean, I know it's been done in the past, usually with people who were seen as uh, lower, like. I'm aware that I think during World War Two, the Nazi Party well, uh, made mattresses for uh, prisoners of war out of the hair of Jewish prisoners. So you know how they shaved the Jews before they executed them. Yeah, they yeah. then take that hair and make it into a mattress oh, and give it to serious? the other prisoners. Yeah. That's that's dark. <laughs> that's it very is very dark. All right. Anyways, uh, on that note, we should uh, move on to uh, the final topic. Uh, so you know how everybody's going against Marvel movies these days? Yes. Apparently, there's a new new person joining in the uh, anti-Marvel movie crusade. Who? Uh, Dennis Villeneuve, uh, famous for Dune and Blade Runner has decided to come in saying that uh, Marvel movies uh, are just a a con, basically. I didn't know I could like the guy anymore. (laughs) So he did an interview uh, with with El Mundo to give his honest opinions on on Marvel movies. And during the interview, the outlet pointed out that it's contradictory that blockbuster movies are the ones... Who want to become to become the conscious against the drift of capitalism? On the contrary, Villeneuve admits that he thinks that big budget movies are still artistically relevant, citing notable filmmakers like Christopher Nolan. And to which he quote, which he says, uh, "quote Just think of the golden age of Hollywood to see that commercial films can make a different artistic proposal, and therefore political." I have no. I have never felt like a loss or an impediment to have a generous budget to do what I wanted to do. Upside down, who who said that a movie on a budget, uh, a big budget, cannot be artistically relevant at the same time? I'm a current. I'm currently thinking of people like Christopher Nolan or Alfonso Cuaron, and uh, he he went on to say that the idea of superhero movies are not cinema. And uh, Villeneuve agrees to that former sentiment by saying that these movies have turned the audience into zombies. <laughs> I like these words. 
Yeah, and, uh, and to uh, enhance that uh, idea, he says it was a. It's because of the cut and paste formula, and this is the full quote, by the way. Perhaps the problem is that we are we are in too front of, of too many Marvel movies that are nothing more than a cut and paste of others. Perhaps these types of movies have turned us into zombies a bit. But big and expensive movies are great value. There are many today. I don't feel capable of being pessimistic at all. I mean, he has a point. Like, most of the Marvel movies are cut and paste these days. Yes, I think he does. a very good point. Although, mind you, he the, the, okay. I, I agree with him on the on the on the on the part about how they are cut and paste. But what Villeneuve is not seeing, and I, uh, maybe he could be right. Maybe maybe I might be wrong on this one. Like there is the aspect of character, you know, like uh, a point. Let's say Spider-Man, for example, the pointless teenage drama kind of thing. Like how Peter Parker is going through romance and trying to juggle out with school life and superhero life and family life, that kind of thing. Like, sure, there is the element of good guys winning, bad guys losing kind of thing. Or like, for, ex- or like for example, uh, Captain America, for example, with uh, while there's a good guy versus bad guy element, there's always the whole uh, idea of political espionage or uh, the behind the scenes, behind the scenes before the big battle kind of thing. Yeah, they're not exactly trying to make high art. I think calling Marvel fans zombies is a bit mean, but they are consuming the Marvel movies, which are not high art. They're not trying to be anything incredible. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with you there. Like, it's not high art. I mean, like, it it feels like most of the Marvel movies nowadays, it's basically, let's tick everything that's, every box we can think of. Like uh, pointless, uh, pointless teenage drama. Check. <laughs> uh, big superhero, mo- big superhero movements. Check. Epic uh, movie soundtrack. Check. High marketing uh, value. Check. Yep. And, and one of my big complaints about it, which I'm sure I've stated before, is that we end up with these movies being made, and there just doesn't seem to be as much room for you know, unusual stuff anymore. Yeah. You can still find it, but it's getting harder. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting. A couple of days ago, I found this tweet the other day. It says here, anyone who lambasts Marvel movies as all being the same has either A, not seen them all and therefore shouldn't assume they're all the same, or B, seen them all because, hey, they're... they actually quite like watching Marvel movies. <laughs> That's an interesting argument. I think it's possible to see some of the Marvel movies and make the determination that they are all the same because the ones that you've seen are all the same. <laughs> but why would you waste, like, at this point we're up to like 36 hours or something of Marvel movies if you watch them all in one go, plus all the tie-in shows and all of that. Why would you spend that much time doing something you don't enjoy <laughs> i mean it's for the sake i mean some of them might might just watch it for the sake of continuity but then again like it's it's hard it's 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 hard to say like what what's a good marvel movie these days because it's it's hard to talk let's say for example with the uh first avengers with the avengers endgame like after endgame it's gonna be very hard to top that off if you get what i mean yeah 
it is very hard to tie it off. I don't know why they why they didn't leave a bigger gap before jumping back into it, but I just think it's too uh, they're too derivative. They're not yeah you know they're not all identical. No, but they are very derivative. Although, mind you, uh, there is a like there is a recent trend going with uh, it, with with the new phase of Marvel movies where it's reaching to the small screen. Uh, it's like Black Widow, for example, with the spy espionage film with a family story. One Division with a fa- uh, with a family story as well. Uh, I haven't seen Shang Chi, but I've heard there was a bit of a family element to it as well. But I, I I kind of agree with uh with Billy New on this one in terms of they're being the same and everybody's becoming a zombie with a cut and paste approach. I agree with him overall, but there are certain elements that I don't really agree with it with his statement on that one. So yeah, yeah. I'm just hoping Denny can show us something incredible with June. Yes, <laughs> yes. I please. wish I wish there were more people like Denny because. He's got incredible movies, and I wish there was more of that and less Marvel. That's my yeah. opinion. Marvel fans, you can come and fight me. My address is... Hey, DJ, <laughs> what's your address again? For, all, for for anyone who wants to send their hate mail and whatnot, please send us that. Please send it to nerds.amalgamated at gmail.com. I repeat, nerds.amalgamated at gmail.com. Anyways, we'll take a short break and we'll be back with our shout-outs, remembrances, events of interest, and famous birthdays. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Anyways, to our shout-outs. Uh, Spider-Man's first appearance in Amazing Fantasy number 15 as sold... For more than Superman's first comic, Action Comics number one, Spider-Man's first appeared in uh, 1962, and an original copy of the comic sold for 3.6 million on the 10th of September. The copy sold received a CGC trading of a grading of 9.6 out of 10. Only three copies have been graded 9.6, with none graded higher. Or oh, that that is epic. A very very. Uh quality copy of the book imagine being the uh, be, uh, being the uh, sole owner of that comic and all of a sudden you decide to open it <laughs> it was like 9.6 9.5 9.3 8.5 or uh, the how horrifying it would be to have like a pipe burst and spray water all over the display case Oh, <laughs> you'd be like, oh no, Piper, oh no, my comic book collection. 
<sighs> on the uh, 14th, we passed the 20th anniversary of the Japanese release of the GameCube. The GameCube was Nintendo's first console to use optical discs. But unlike the Xbox or PS2, it was unable to read regular CDs or DVDs. The uh, GameCube's controller remained popular among fighting game enthusiasts, with a new model released for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate on Switch. Some of the most popular GameCube games include Super Smash Melee, Metroid Prime, Super Mario Sunshine, and Luigi's Mansion. And I will say this, I was watching an old, an old, old video of a... Uh, of a internet uh of an internet person playing the nintendo uh gamecube and man he was <laughs> he was ranting and raving so badly about the uh gamecube how like for example the uh what was it he quoted the gamecube cd that looks like a chocolate chip cookie i had no idea that was a thing <laughs> but do you have any good memories of the uh gamecube actually no i don't i never had a gamecube not a no one I've actually encountered often. I think in my circles, I think we mostly were playing Nintendo 64 and then around that time that the PlayStation 2 came out, most of the people I know ended up going to PlayStation. It felt like an unsung, it felt like a dark horse in the uh in in the console market around that time, didn't it? Yeah, looking back it is. It's been a long time since Nintendo has been on top. Although it wasn't long after the GameCube came out, it was the uh, Wii then, right? Wasn't it? Uh, about six years. Okay. Okay. Uh, to commemorate the 100th anniversary of Sir Norman Birley's first scheduled air service, a squadron of 23 planes flew from Geraldton to Derby on the 16th of September. The official first record flight occurred on December 5th. So Norman was the major in World War One, who had survived being shot down in no man's land and crawled back to friendly territory with bullet wounds to both lungs. His commer- first commercial flight was on a de Havilland Hercules under the Western Australian Airlines banner. What a mad lad to crawl that far <laughs> with both lungs out. It's bloody nuts. Uh-huh. On the 17th of September... Sir Clive Sinclair passed away at 81. The Clive is pop- probably best known for the XZ models of cheap computers sold in the UK. The XZ line cost only £99, fully assembled, which made it extremely affordable compared to many other home computers of the era. Before the XZs, Clive built the pocket com- calculators, replacing XZ? existing desk punt. XZ? Yeah. It's the ZX. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, ZX. Sorry. Sorry. Learn to read, mate. <laughs> Sorry. This is ZX. Sorry. ZX model. So uh, the ZX's uh, Clive built pocket calculators, replacing existing desktop calculators. He was knighted in 1983 for making technology affordable for the masses. He was also an electric early electric car inventor with the Claire C5 uh, electric trike um, looking like a science fiction prop. It's amazing. <laughs> it I love it. Oh, can you imagine Sir Clive Sinclair working with Steve Jobs at the time? They would have made millions of dollars. Yeah, that might have been interesting to see. Yeah. God, but, can you imagine yeah. Sir, Sir Clive working with Woz and Steve Jobs? That would be a dream. I just love the design of the C5. 
Like, maybe it could be a bit bigger, but the design of it is so cool. Nice. So uh, on to our remembrances. Giovanni Domenico Cassini, known for discovering several moons and the details of the rings of Saturn and a space probe named after him, which launched in 1997 to explore Saturn, died on the 14th of September, 1712. He was born in Italy, but naturalized in France. He initially held a geocentric view of the solar system, changing his mind when he did his own research. Anti-vaxxers take note. Uh, he didn't just Google inaccurate blogs. <laughs> as, a, as a youth, he became interested in astrology, but uh, again, on further study, discarded astrology in favor, for, in favor for astronomy. He also started work on the first topographical map of an entire country, a map of France completed by his ancestors entitled Carte de Cassini. Yes, take note. He saw the evidence and changed his mind because he realized he was wrong. He didn't double <laughs> down on being wrong. <laughs> Ah, things people do these days. <laughs> so uh, on to our birthdays. On the same day in 1921, Paul Pro- Proberzny, I'm going to get so cut, butchered for this, uh, was born. Paul founded the Experimental Aircraft Association and popularized homemade aircraft in the US. He built over 170 homemade aircraft and flew over 500 types. He taught himself to fly in, in a glider that he repaired himself. He was born in Leavenworth country, uh, County, Kansas. I gotta admit, though, he that that was pretty. Uh, it's pretty epic to to build a lot of aircraft from homemade. Yeah, that was kind of what you had to do back then because no one else had, no one else was actually making them. Although the question I have is, how do you get away with all the patents and uh, copyright stuff, though? If you're building a There wasn't made. back then. Really? Like, it, it was, was for- still early, early days, so no one actually had patents on flying machines. Huh. Okay. So you could uh, kind of do what you wanted. It was a bit Wild West. Okay. Uh, on to our events of interest on the uh, 14th of September 1914. The Royal Australian Navy's first submarine, HMAS AE-1, was lost with all hands near East, East New Britain, Papua New Guinea. The wreckage was not found until 2017 when Rear Admiral Peter Briggs announced that the evidence indicated that the submarine had struck the seabed and failed. A 2018 study by the National Maritime Museum decided that the crew had accidentally left a ventilation vat valve open, leading to the submarine flooding and imploding as it passed 100 meters depth. The crew likely died instantly. I guess that's why people don't like being submariners in the long run, huh? No, it's very dangerous. And being underwater with no sunlight does a lot of bad things to your health. Like, vitamin D deficiency is pretty nasty. Ugh. So, yeah, being um, like being a submariner is not the most enjoyable job. So you don't get even get your own bed. On a lot of submarines, you have to share with two or three, like... Two or three people to a bed. Not all at once. It's called hot racking. Oh. When you get out of bed to start your shift, it's time for the other guy to go to bed. Then you have your shift and your rec period. And then when it's ready for you to go to bed, the third guy is waking up and you swap. 
That sounds that sounds painful. Yeah, it sounds pretty awkward and uncomfortable. I've been on a submarine actually. There's one in uh, WA somewhere in Fremantle, I think. That's up on the dock, and they run tours through it. And they're horrible and cramped. Oh man, how did those World War Two survivors uh, like survive through? The uh, submarine battles and whatnot, they must have been really... Yeah, it would have been even worse. Yeah. Nuclear subs are a bit better because they can be so much bigger, but you've still Mm. got a whole bunch of people crammed into a tiny space. And if you're too tall, then you have a bad time. Oh, man. There's a lot of things you can hit your head on. Uh, Smarter Every Day did a really good series on the... I think it's a Virginia class. No, it's a Los Angeles class. Uh, The USS Toledo, which is a nuclear-powered attack sub. And he did a series of videos on board that sub, like getting to see how they come out of the water and through ice, uh, crawling into the missile tubes. Okay. Every time I'm thinking about... I always thought that the... uh the life of a submariner would be similar to um, the Simpsons when Homer was the uh, cat was in the submarine. <laughs> I wouldn't take the Simpsons as the most accurate television. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so uh, for our final event of interest, on the same day in 20, 2007, The Dark Hour released in Spain. The film featured a character named Jesus. Yes, <laughs> Jesus, you heard it right. A group of survivors given thinly veiled Bible references for names and Judas. The characters lived in a bunker hiding from mutants known as the Strangers after a nuclear war. Once a day, they locked themselves up in a room to hide from ghosts. The plot makes no sense, but (laughs) it's pretty wild. Oh, uh, there was so... And I was looking at the, uh, the interesting trivia to this. There aren't much trivia, but it was just basically the. It was just like, what the hell is this movie? If if when you when you look at the plot, it just feels like okay, this is what happens when the coronavirus hits hits Earth. Yeah, except we don't have mutants and ghosts. Like, uh, here we go. There was a... Uh, one of the interesting trivia they said here, there's a final quote during the end credits. I am become death, the destroyer of worlds, from the Hindu scripture uh, Bhagavad Gita, as uh, said by J. Robert Oppenheimer after the first nuclear test detonation in Los Alamos. Cool, so they're I quoting mean- Oppenheimer. <laughs> because it's a movie about the post-apocalypse after the nuclear war. That quote is getting played too many times now. Really? I mean, every 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 nuclear explosion, I have become death. Uh, yeah, yeah. Come up with something more original, dang it! And I and uh, I was looking, I was looking further into this, uh, into the uh, movie, and some of the dialogue is absolutely interesting. Like they had a they had a chat with Ju- the, there was a, a conversation between Judas and Jesus, and this is how the chat goes. Judas, we fought because we thought our God was better than theirs. Thing is, they thought the same about their God. Do you understand? Jesus shakes his head, no. What's God? Jesus goes, someone who left us alone. 
Oh, that's so ham-fisted. <laughs> Maybe it sounds better in Spanish. <laughs> and here's another one. Um, so, uh, so Mateo, some guy goes, how are you? Maria, uh, his boyfriend just died alone. <laughs> what? Wow, punchy dialogue right there. Yeah, maybe it's just better in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Anyways, uh, on that note, we should uh, wrap up. Uh, where can they find us, Professor? Facebook, uh, Twitter, email us at nerdsortamalgamated at gmail.com and basically anywhere. And keep an eye out for our new show launching either this week or next week, Nerdful Things, where we... Re- it's taking the place of our media review. We decided to spin it off so we'd have a bit more time to talk about what we've been watching. And we're also doing it in the format of a book club. The first week's book club film, it's a movie, so not really a book, but you get the point, <laughs> is Forbidden Planet. Ooh, nice, nice, nice. And uh, you can also find us on that's not Canada.com, where we have an archive of our old, epi- old episodes and new podcasts such as Cartoon Time Machine with the Animates. The Cartoon Time Machine visits different cartoons and eras and animations. In each episode, the Animates, two idiots with film degrees, discuss their takes on beloved or hated cartoons of the past, present, and future. And that's all we have for this week. Uh, Take care of yourselves, stay hydrated, and time for me to look at tall vampire ladies. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.